hey, hey, what's the buzz? Tell me what's happening. This is Pyromaniac Mullins Dag Party coming at you. July 31st already, 2015. This is the Pyro Light Podcast, Episode 5. Stags, on the other end of the lake. How are you, my brother? Oh, can't complain. Doing very well, so... It's a little late here at night, so we got to make some moves happen. It is late at night, and I know you pretty much go to the bar straight from here, and I shut off any Toy Story videos that are still on, maybe change a diaper or two, and then I'm off to bed. Oh, yeah, life is much different these days. Oh, to be young again. Actually, my house kind of does resemble uh, the houses I used to live in when I was in college. There's vomit on the floor, uh, everything's broken in a mess all the time, and half the time the toilet doesn't work, or there's all kinds of protrusions sticking out of it. This time it's action figures and cars, but what can I say? It brings me down, it brings me back down memory lane. <laughs> Starting with a little Huey Lewis in the news and notes from the Tennessee Titans. We've got a little bit of uh, running back news. ESPN reporter Paul Kaharski states Sankey will likely start week one, but David Cobb is in the wings and ready. Now, this could be one to avoid unless Cobb really starts to shine, in my opinion, during camp uh, and maybe, you know, the preseason. Rotowire basically thinks uh, Cobb will be challenging Sankey for touches down the line. And if not for the fact that Cobb missed must, uh, most of OTAs with a hamstring injury, he probably would have supplanted Sankey. Uh, another name that has come up is Antonio Andrews, which really only muddles the water even further. So to me, unless Cobb really stands out during preseason, I'm going to kick back and wait. I don't think I'm going to draft any of those. I mean, just how they split it up last season was kind of you know, complicated. I think Andrews, who you just spoke of, had like 14 total snaps on offense. So I don't see a real emergence coming from there. But just in general, I mean, uh, McCluster had 233 snaps last season. Sankey had the most with 354. Uh, Sean Green had 164. Then Leon Washington had 235. So it was just a real muddy situation, no matter how you look at it. Uh, you know, Green's now gone. McCluster's still probably going to have more of a gadget role. Uh, more like a Sproles-type role, hopefully, uh, using him correctly. And then I, I, I don't see a big role for Washington. So it looks like it's going to come down to Sankey and uh, Cobb. But I don't really like either of their options. Uh, last season they had only 356 rush attempts, which was like 70 less than the league average. So they just don't run the ball enough, and I don't see that changing here anytime soon. I mean... They threw it, like, 62% of the time. I mean, yeah, the run-pass ratio is probably going to skew a little bit just because of the Mariota runs, uh, the design QB runs, and the read option type plays. But I think it'll still be more of a 55-type uh, percent-type pass team. Um, so we'll see how that works. And they were just bad last season. I mean, the running backs as a whole averaged th- or 13 fantasy points a game, which was 31st in the league. 13 fantasy points a game, so, okay, maybe maybe Cobb gets, you know, six a game, and Sankey gets seven, but they're not going to help any of your fantasy teams win, and, like, they'll both have to, somebody will have to supplant the other for them to finish in the top 20, and I just don't see any chance of this offense becoming an elite option from either of these guys. 
Right, and unless Cobb really shows something in the preseason, I'm with you. The water is just too muddy there at the running back position. And even at the wide receiver position, with the wake of the Justin Hunter arrest, uh, the early front runner to fill the shoes has been Harry Douglas, who came over from Atlanta. Harry was great uh, when Julio and White were out, but uh, was always kind of the third fiddle. Um, Now, that doesn't necessarily bode well for Marietta. Uh, We've got Kendall Wright as one wide receiver, Harry Douglas as the other. That's not the hottest tandem in the league. Doriel Beckham, uh, Green Beckham, he needs to shine in camp in the preseason if he wants to have a shot as a starter, but he's probably relegated to three wide sets. His only real competition will be Hakeem Nix. So wide receivers I'm staying away from Tennessee. Running backs I'm basically staying away from unless uh, Cobb shines in the preseason. Moving over to the Ravens. It was recently reported that Javoris Allen, the rookie running back from USC, was on the non-football injury list. He has indeed passed his physical and is physically cleared to play. He's officially physically cleared to practice. Man, that's a hard one to say after a couple of IPAs. Many believe um, they're kind of skeptical. Uh, Many people have been skeptical about Forsett's future. At the very least, uh, fantasy players are drafting Allen as a handcuff. I, however, am pretty high on Forsett. I'm probably one of the highest ones at uh, Pyro. Um, I'm not a big believer in Javoris Allen. I I don't think he's going to be a significant threat to playing time this year. Allen has been compared to Bernard Pierce, who um, Forsett already passed, and Bernard Pierce didn't do much. Allen only bench-pressed 225 11 times at the Combine. That was the lowest out of all running backs. Forsett will undoubtedly see an increase uh, in the passing game under Tressman. Plus, a lot of people don't realize he busts off big runs, and he gets it done down in the goal line. Last season, eight of his rushing TDs, all eight of his rushing TDs, came inside the run zone, inside the 20. Not to mention, he busted off 18 runs that went for over 15 yards. That was enough to be tied for second in the NFL. Out of all backs that accumulated at least 25% of their team's carries, Forsett had the best breakaway percentage at 41.7. I'm a believer in him this year, and I'm not a big believer in Javoris Allen. Moving to the West Coast, we've got uh, the Raiders. Richardson, what are you seeing there, Staggs? Oh, Richardson's on the NFI list for a, a little bit of a different reason. He's fat, again. Uh, and he pretty much didn't pass this conditioning test. Uh, so word is, you know, uh, from the beat writers that he might not even make the team. He's on the roster bubble uh, just because they haven't been impressed with, with what they've been seeing. Uh, and this is after all that kind of big news came out earlier in the offseason. Oh, he's looking great, and he's looking quick, and he's looking fast. And now all that news is sort of just disappearing, and now he's fat again. So uh, he might need to go on the D'Angelo Williams plan and let people tell him what he can or can't eat. I like it. <laughs> I like it. I like it. I like it. I'm on uh, that diet myself. My wife is telling me what I can and can't eat. I mean, I wear the pants in this relationship. Just, you know, please don't tell my wife I said that. And up north in Seattle. Money, 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 money. 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 Seattle and Russell Wilson. What's he singing up there, Stegs? Uh, probably that same song that we just sang, or one of Sierra's songs, if she's even a hip-hop goddess. I don't even know what she is. <laughs> but, I don't either. But, I mean, he got paid. He took a short-term deal, 
taking the four-year deal to hit the open market again at, like, age 31, uh, where hopefully, you know, with the growing revenues and everything, that this guy can make a boatload of money on his second contract. Uh, he'll be one of the younger, you know, prime QBs coming up uh, because he only signed this four-year deal. And uh, the new money in the deal is, like, eight eighty-seven million million. His signing bonus was, like, $31 million which is insane by NFL standards. And the guaranteed part of the deal is 60, 60 mil. So Russell Williams, what Russell Wilson's doing all right. The only thing is Bobby Wagner had was a little offended. He's like, can't keep everybody on Twitter. So uh, that, that caused a little bit of an uproar. Because um, it's hard to see how they'll be able to afford, you know, the quarterback of their defense after just shelling out all that dough to Russell. Yeah, they got some high-paid defensive players. Uh, it's going to be hard to keep that together, but uh, Wilson is clicking his heels twice and skipping to my loo. We've got a bit of a player spotlight, more of a few player spotlights. Tight end position. Uh, we had a question that we basically touched, down, uh, touched on on episode four last week. That came from Lawsmith, and he was asking our thoughts on some tight ends, and he named quite a few. Really, to me, there's a pool of tight ends that you can choose from, and they're all basically about the same. So I'm just going to, really the ones I've been picking up in mock drafts have been Gronk, depending on where I'm drafting and if I can get him. Um, His ADP is certainly probably first round, uh, fifth overall maybe, depending on where you're looking. Uh, Kelsey's ADP, who's another guy I'm really liking, he's in the middle of the fifth. That's I've taken them there, and I'm happy with them there. If I don't get to grab Kels, who's probably my number one guy that I'm looking for, uh, Ertz, I really like him. He's got eighth round, early eighth round ADP. And if that falls through, I'm thinking Eifert. He's my man. In a 12-team draft with 16 rounds, there's a total of 192 picks. I looked a couple days ago on Fantasy Pros, their ADP. Eifert's current ADP was 204, so he's not even going. So if I miss my first three guys, Gronk, which again, you're talking first round if you want him, Kelsey, middle of the fifth, and Ertz, early eighth. If I miss on those guys, I'll be happy with Eifert. Yeah, uh, Ertz's ADP has shot up in the last two weeks here, moving up from the eighth round pick, and he's now a sixth round pick. So I'm not really comfortable with Ertz in the sixth round. I don't really like his value there. Uh, I just haven't seen enough that makes me believe that he's bona fide tight end, you know, worthy. Like, because six rounds at the same time you have to draft Olsen. Uh, I don't think that Ertz is worth that as of right now. Uh, every, every mock draft I've done, he's just flying off the board as of late. So I'm not really excited about Ertz, but my, my whole game plan at tight end is either Kelsey in the fifth, hopefully the sixth, depending on, you know, who I'm drafting against. And if I don't get him there, then uh, then I'm waiting. I'm waiting till you know twelve, thirteen, maybe ten, if I can steal somebody who who I have ranked up a little higher. But I, I usually don't uh, draft a tight end unless it's Kelsey in the fifth. Uh, besides that, you know, looking for one of those guys who's a bit of a shot in the dark. Uh, Eifert in the last kind of round. Uh, I usually only draft one tight end depending on you know the league strategy I'm in. Um, you know, in best ball leagues, you know, you got to draft two or three. But, uh, 
you know, usually Eifert's one of the guys I target later at around 14. But then I also, if I'm going with an Eifert, I might have to make a safer pick like a Delaney Walker. That's the guy I was going to name if we had to pull out another name of the hat. Uh, I mean, uh, there's all the tight ends after about, you know, Kelsey, and then after that, maybe a tier below is Ertz. All the guys from, like, you know, 7 or 8 to 18, they're all the same. It just depends which guy you like more, which guy you think has the best offense around them, uh, who has the best quarterback throwing to them, and just what your kind of preferences are. Uh, what Whether you like the 5 for 50 type of tight end, or whether you like the guy who can explode, or you like the guy who's just going to catch, you know, 10 touchdowns interspersed throughout the season. So keep your eyes on those ADPs as you get closer to the season. One ADP um, that I think is money right now, and Keith Schultz actually called me out on this on Twitter, I believe. Keith Schultz is at K-W-S-H, I'm sorry, K-W-S-C-H-U-L-T-Z. He's got some great fantasy football talk. He asked me about my rating, my wide receiver rating. At the time, I had Vincent Jackson, 18. Since then, I've redone it. He's, I think, 20 on my um, tiers right now. The consensus is number 33 for Vincent Jackson, so I'm certainly high. I've seen him as high as 14 on other people's rankings, but I've got him as a definite wide receiver number two. I've got him just inside my top 20. And he asked why I'm so high on him. Now, if you look back, 2010, and I'll give you your chance here, Stags. If you look back, 2010, he was injured. But from 2014 to 2011, 2014 was his off year. I think that was the anomaly in that he only scored two touchdowns. Um, Those other years, he averages closer to seven. Now, 2013, he finished 14th in standard scoring. 2012, he finished 6th. 2011, he finished 10th. Even if you go back before then to the 2010 year when he was injured, 2009 and 8, he still had over 100 targets both those years and over 1,000 yards those years. So if you throw out that injury year of 2010, even last year, he's got six straight 1,000-yard seasons and 100-plus targets in a row throwing out that 2010 season. I really think last year was the anomaly. Only two TDs. If you average out those other ones, he averaged actually eight TDs. Nine being the max, seven being the min in those other years besides last year. Now, a couple of things that I, reasons why I like him. Um, Winston, I think a young rookie quarterback is going to look to a veteran like him. Uh, Winston, he was the first seminal in school history to throw 40 passes in a season. Winston, as many as many rookie quarterbacks, I think you know he's going to lock on to a veteran. Uh, even though he's a rookie, he should be able to step up from the play of Josh McCown and Mike Glennon. Last year, they collectively averaged about 57%. Um, I think Winston can at least do that. Now, Jackson's yards per target... Uh, he's a little bit 7.16, whereas Evans is a little bit deeper, 8.91. I think that, again, is going to be favored by Winston. If he gets in trouble, he's going to go to the guy closer to him. Uh, in fact, Winston did not push the ball downfield 
last year. His average yards per pass was 8.37. Guys like Marietta, his last year was 9.25. Cam Newton, his last year was 10.19. So Winston doesn't push the ball down the field. I think Vincent Jackson is going to be in the area he's going to be looking for. There's all kinds of other ones. Uh, 90.9% of his 2014 fantasy value came from yardage. That was Vincent Jackson. No other top 50 fantasy wide receiver had a higher percentage from yardage. He's got to get more touchdowns. Like I said, in years before, he averaged 8 TDs. Last year he had 2. That was the anomaly. It's going to come back. The three years before that, he was basically almost always a wide receiver. One, if not early wide, good top wide receiver. Two, I think offensive coordinator Dirk Cotter, he's going to do wonders for the dynamic receiving duos like he's done for Atlanta in the last three years. I think he can do it with Evans and Jackson as well. Hector Cotter's first year in OC, as OC in Jacksonville, they were the sixth uh Sixth in the league for offensive points. His first year in Atlanta, they were seventh in the league for offensive scoring. This is his first year in Tampa. I think he can do it. Uh, I disagree with you on some of the points. There, there's no statistical evidence that a rookie focuses on a veteran wide receiver. Uh, the statistical evidence always lies that rookies push it to wide receiver ones. Vincent uh Vincent Jackson is no longer the wide receiver on that team. Uh, that'd be Mike Evans. They they just push it to the wide receiver one up to 30, 30 33% of the time, which is an insane amount of, you know, target potential for, you know, Mike Evans. And usually they push it to the wide receiver two, you know, 10 to 12% less. So, you know, Evans is the guy there, and with his touchdown-making ability and – Long catching ability and just ability to push it down the field. Vincent Jackson is going to have some regression. There is not another chance that they throw it as much as they did last season. You know the running game has to be better. They're not just going to throw Jameis Winston to the wolves. You know this offensive line should be a little better. So we've got to think that the pass attempts are just going to come down in general. Hopefully uh, this defense gets a little better. It should in the second year in a Lovey Smith system because it's all about fundamentals. And last year they were really lacking it, really lacking the fundamentals. And they've got some real nice players um, in McCoy and then and then Levante David who should help you know shut down the run. Those are two of the premier defenders in the league. Hopefully they can you know step up their pass game a little bit. But yeah, his touchdowns are going to come up, but his targets are going to come down. His yardage will probably come down a little bit. I just don't see how he finishes as a top 20 receiver. And to be a top 20 receiver, you need about uh, 1,050 yards and seven or so touchdowns, So, which is right in line with his career averages. But I just see it coming down. I think Evans is going to be the man there. He's going to get the ball force-fed to him. And the reason uh, two years ago Winston's average depth of target was actually much higher than it was last year uh, at – with Benjamin on the team, they threw it down the field. Uh, this is another guy who, like Kelvin Benjamin and Mike Evans, they're the same sort of player, except Evans is a premier step better in terms of talent. He's got that extra gear, which Benjamin does not have, uh, and he's got better overall hands. So he's going to be the guy he locks on to. And there's also you know, the rise of ASJ, who really wasn't there last year. Uh, Jameis throws it more to his tight ends than pretty much any uh, quarterback in college football last year. 
got to think that's going to be a trend that continues with the 6-7, you know, ASJ. And Dirk Cotter's had some great luck with uh, Atlanta tight ends. Well, not last year, but in years past. Yeah, just, just, just pushing it to Tony G. Uh, but Tony G's a totally different animal. But, hey, if you want to look at somebody who's a similar size and, you know, background to a Tony Gonzalez, that's ASJ. He's got some upside there. Uh, you know, the receiving game out of the backfield should also be much improved. It was pretty much anemic last season with Charles Sims and uh, Doug Martin. It, it just seemed real weird. Uh, but I think Cotter will be able to improve that. He, he He's a pretty good uh, offensive coordinator who should really help out uh, Jameis. But I just don't see how his numbers improve on 140 targets. Uh, yeah, maybe his catch percentage improves a little bit, but I think he's going to drop down to the 120, 110 type of range where Mike Evans is having that bump up to the 150, 160 targets. And that's going to leave, you know, Vincent Jackson at the 900, 900, maybe topping out at 1,000 yards. Uh, with Maybe he can get to six or seven touchdowns, and then he's a mid-tier wide receiver, too. That, that's basically what I'm arguing. I, I think he's going to pull back excuse to wide me, receiver, two. Excuse me, wide receiver, three. He's a okay. mid-tier wide receiver, three. Right, right around uh, wide receiver 25 to, you know, 30. I think he's that that's the perfect range. I think his ADP is perfect right now at wide receiver 28. Uh, yeah, he's being underrated by some other people, but he's got a chance. I just don't see how he gets that number of targets again in this offense next year. I just look at 2013 uh, 14th best fantasy scorer in standard. 2012 6th. 2011 10th. Uh, and then if you throw out that anomaly of the year, he was injured. He's got six straight 1,000-yard uh, seasons. And going back to 2008, his touchdowns from 2008, throwing out 2010, 7, 9, 9, 8, 7. And then last year was the anomaly. That's the two. So I just think he's going to get about the same receptions, same yards. Maybe, I honestly think he might get a little bit more receptions with uh, the rookie quarterback. But I think his TDs are going to go back up. That would put him in the top 20, if you ask me. That's, now, that's a lot of wishful thinking. I, I just The numbers cannot remain the same in terms of targets. It, it's unsustainable. He's never been a you know top five wide receiver anyways. He's always been more of a right on the edge of top 10 to top 12 in standard scoring. Well, yeah, 14th, 6th, and 10th in the last 2013 through 2011. So you're talking number one, number two, basically. I think he'd be in the top 20. We need to come up with a, a betting system and have a board between us for the, the pyro light. I'd, I'd put money on VJ being in the top 20. We'll come up with something. I mean, it, it, it's splitting hairs, but the guy is being drafted around him, you know, the Martavis Bryants, uh, those type of guys – you know, uh, the Macklins, I'd potentially take over him. But, yeah, I'm high on Macklin. But, you know, Bryant, uh, Golden Tate, Keenan Allen. Uh, See, Golden Tate I've got right there. Keenan Allen I actually have a little bit ahead of him. Now, yeah, I agree with you on all that. Uh, Macklin I'm not so sure on. It, it, uh, it's close for me. I might I might even take Jarvis Landry ahead of him, depending on the day. Or, not me. I mean, depending on what style of league you play in. Yeah, Landry's down there for me. Uh, but yeah, PPR, that would rise. Moving on, 
Uh, I think it would be a good idea to come up with a, some sort of betting system for us, though. Put it, uh, put, put something out there for the folks to see. I mean, back in the day, me and my friends used to do mouth shots. I don't know if that's excel- <laughs> acceptable to do anymore. Punch each other uh, in the face. I, uh, I, I can't imagine showing up to the next day teaching my seniors, Mr. B, what happened? Uh, I was doing mouth shots with my buddy. No big deal. Vincent Jackson just didn't score. Damn it. That one touchdown. Uh, moving on to last week, I talked about the top wide receivers from our scout, David T. Thomas. Now, David T. Thomas, he's been on the scouting scene. We've talked to him a, a few times. We're hoping to do some more future stuff with him, but uh, until we get something worked out with him, I'm always just trying to give him a byline. He is the man who comes up with this. I am just spouting it for the masses. But uh, he's been working the scouting scene since 1967. Last time I talked about his top wide receivers. Now I'm going to reveal his top ten rookie running backs. Now, keep in mind, folks, this is April's rankings. This is before the draft, so obviously it affects some things. But before the draft, when they were just coming out judged on straight talent, this guy's been 40-plus years scouting. He's got Todd Gurley, number one. He's got Melvin Gordon, number two. David Johnson, number three. Duke Johnson, number Four, J.H.I.E., number five, Amir Abdullah, six, Tevin Coleman, seven, Jeremy Langford, eight, T.J. Yeldon, nine, Javoris Allen, ten. Now, because it does not take into account situation after the draft, you know, obviously a guy like Duke Johnson, who is in a, what I like to call a running back by community, anytime there's at least three guys, we're not talking committee, community in Cleveland with Terrence West, and Isaiah Crowell, uh, his, he's going to sink. He's not going to have as, as much upside. Same thing with Jeremy Langford in Chicago. Although I've ha- heard one reputable analyst really back Langford saying that Forte's done. I don't think Forte's done, but I've got him outside my top ten. But uh, what do you think about the top ten from David T. Thomas's April rankings? I mean, on pure talent, my favorite thing is seeing Tevin Coleman so low because uh, – I don't think he's very good. Uh, I do like that um, David Johnson gets a little bit you know, more play here, and I think Duke Johnson's an explosive athlete. But it's now a four-man show with Sean Drone. Sean Drone is apparently ahead of uh, Terrence West now. So, you know, that's a crowded backfield situation. But, yeah, I like Gurley. But the fact is I'm not going to draft him this season. Not in redraft formats. Uh he pretty much suffered his injury in, what, November? Um, and when, yeah, he's coming back. He's not on the NFI list anymore. He's active at camp, and he's apparently, you know, being thrown in there. But yep. he's just not somebody I want to take a chance on. Uh, I think the injury was so late in the year that they're going to play it safe with him in some ways. And if they don't, I think they're making a huge mistake. Plus, this offensive line is young. And, you know, they're all in their you know, first, second, third, maybe fourth year, and that I don't think they're going to be a cohesive unit to begin the day. Who's your highest rookie running back on your most recent tiers? Uh, Melvin Gordon, by far. I've got that as well. Situationally, let's see. He can do the same thing Ryan Matthews did, you know, two years ago, being healthy, and he's more of an explosive playmaker, uh, in the open field than Matthews ever was. So I think he's got a chance to do that 
what uh, Matt used did two years ago, which is like 250 carries for like 1,250 rushing yards and seven, eight touchdowns. And then be pretty negligible in the passing game where he catches maybe 25 passes tops. Another thing you noted that Coleman was way down there. Number seven, if you noted Coleman is way down there, heck, TJ Yeldon, who's really high up on a lot of people's boards, he's number nine. Yeah, that, that's a scary thought because I have Yeldon at 24, and that's mostly just due to situation. I don't think there's anybody else in that backfield who's a challenger. I haven't been getting him in any drafts, though, just at the time, because I've already probably got two running backs ahead of him. Um, I usually, if he ends up on my team, he's as my third or fourth running back. Yeah, I've got him in my old tiers. I'm redoing him about 22, I think, right now. One thing, though, you you did kind of touch on this, and this is going to lead me right... uh, Before I lead into uh, Ain't That Cuff Enough, which is... Uh, we're coming up with some segment names here, folks, and if you know the fabulous Thunderbirds, it ain't that tough enough. But we've also got uh, Michael Japs, Michael Jackson's famous uh, "Can't Stop Till You Get in a Cup," which String Cheese Incident also covered that as well. So I kind of like that one. The, the "Can't Stop Till You Get a Cuff." Um, I'm going to talk first about the, the Gurley and Trey Mason. Now, you, you touched on this a little bit, but uh, although the team is still stating that Mason is going to be their primary back to start the season, they did basically reveal that he's not, Gurley, is not going to start the season on the pup list. He should be active for the preseason, which a lot of people did not think that when they were putting it into their tiers. So, for me, that's definitely going to change where Gurley is on my tiers. I'm going to move him up. Stags, does that info affect where Gurley is on your tiers at all? Uh, tell you the truth, if I didn't have to put out tiers for the masses, Gurley would be not on them. Um, I, he's just not somebody that's going to be on my team this year, unless I can get him in, like, the seventh round, where I feel like, as a backup, if having to draft him as a running back, too, scares the poop a lot out of me. Like, it's just not something I want to do on my fantasy teams this season. Have you been eating a lot of poople? Poopla, poopla. <laughs> it's, like, it's like poop and hoopla all together. I get to make, gotcha. I get to make up one word per podcast. That's what my contract says. I'm rolling with it. And I like what you said there that um, I've heard some of the guys on the Pyro Heavy talk about they, I don't even have this guy on my tiers. I hate that because I'm, I'm kind of OCD, so I, I'm always highlighting the guys as they get called on the draft. So it, it screws me up. If I can't find a guy, I spend the next, like, five minutes trying to find that guy, and it, it throws me all off. So I always list guys. I just move them far down. For me, though, I think Gurley, he, he's going to be challenging for one of my top rookie running backs. Stay tuned. But he does end up on my Ain't That Cuff Enough or Don't Stop Till You Get a Cuff. Um, Gurley, I think if you're going to draft Trey Mason, you're going to need to grab Gurley. Um, Don't you mean it's the other way around? If you're going to draft Gurley, you got to draft Trey Mason? Yeah, or vice versa. Right. If you're going to draft Gurley, because he would probably be going first, certainly not with the news, you're going to want to draft Trey Mason. Although, I don't know if that's as important now as it used to be, but I, if I end up with one, I'm going to end up with one of the others. Same thing with if I've got Jamal Charles. I think this is the number one handcuff, and I've not always been a handcuff guy. But if I've got Jamal Charles, 
I'm grabbing Niall Davis. I mean, Niall Davis's ADP is pretty high, though, so you have to know you're spending an early pick on him. I think he's uh, up there right now in the you know ninth or so round, uh, running back 47. It, it depends on the format. You can probably get him in you know the tenth round in most formats uh, if you're lucky. But he's he's a pure volume guy. And the thing is, there's nobody else on that team. I think they just cut Cyrus Gray last week uh, to challenge him for the ball. But when he's out there and he gets 20-plus carries, you know he's going to get you like 80-plus yards. He's going to get you some catches, and he's probably going to get you a touchdown. So when he does play, he's going to give you you know top 10 type production on the week at, at the position, which is just great to have. Uh, especially if you just lost your guy in Niall Davis and you're like, oh, what do I do? Uh, and you just lost Jamal Charles, you got to put Niall Davis in there, you feel pretty good about it. Uh, one of the other situations that I like that you don't really mention right now is the combination of Joyke Bell and Amir Abdullah. What do you think about that, being a Motown boy? That's a tough one. I don't know if I would necessarily handcuff him because, honestly, I have been torn torn to the soul with these guys. Uh, I still really like Joyke. I like what he can do. I think he's going to start the season as the main back. I think Abdullah is going to kind of fill that Reggie Bush role. Now, down the line, and here's my big question mark. Down the line, I believe Abdullah is going to surplant Joyke. When does that happen? Uh, week 6? Week 12? Uh, next season? That's that's what I don't know. So I certainly want to watch the preseason. I, I don't necessarily think if I'm drafting one, I'm going to draft the other. Um, it, it It's it's not a handcuff situation to me. Really, I'm going to ask myself the question, when is Amir Abdullah going to be taking over? And honestly, I've got to go with earlier as opposed to later. I think... Joyke may be starting, but week two I mean, or three, I could easily see Amir Abdullah taking over the running back position. Here's the thing. Right now, Joyke Bell's not even playing. Uh, basically, they don't know when he's going to be back. There's no timetable for his return. Um, Amir is splitting you know, first-team reps with Theo Riddick right now in camp as of today. Is Joey Bell going to be back in two weeks? I have no idea. Is he going to be back in a month? Is he even going to play at all this preseason? Or are they just going to expect to throw him out there in week one and him be Joey Bell and Amir Abdullah, you know, being the change of pace and third down back? So that's the real question mark I have. Right now, you know, Joey Bell, his ADP is right about 60th overall. And, you know, Abdullah has a much higher one. Uh depending on the format, but yeah, he's about 82, according to Fantasy Pros, but Abdullah's just going super, super high as of late. I've seen him go as high as the fourth round, so it's hard to get both of these guys on your squad, but, you know, if it's something you can do, I don't think controlling that situation is a bad way to go about it. If I was a uh, gun to the head, I- I'm taking Abdullah over Joyke. I think he he's going to be the guy that's going to have a better year. In the end, I just don't know when that that transition is going to be. Another guy that I'm starting to like more and more, although he was, I believe, right around 12 on David T. Thomas's uh, running back rankings, is if I'm drafting Jonathan Stewart, and I just did this in my dynasty, I, I picked up Cameron Artis Payne. Now, again, I'm not a big handcuff guy. 
I'm really not. But Jay Stewart scares me, and, and I, I love what he was doing at the end of the season. Don't get me wrong, I've got him in my dynasty. But I'm definitely picking up Cappy. That is C-A-P, Cameron Artis Payne. Uh, Johnson Stewart missed 20 games in the last three seasons, and that was with D'Angelo Williams to spell him, and now he's on his own. So even though he wasn't running the ball full-time, he still missed 20 games. Last season, Cameron Artis Payne, or Cap, as I like to call him, became Auburn's third running back to accumulate 1,600 yards. Only Bo Jackson and Trey Mason have done that before. He was the 12th SEC performer to run for 1,600 yards in a season. He's got some nice stats. 1,608 last year on 303 attempts. He averaged 5.31, totaled 13 touchdowns, while also pulling in a career high, uh, 147 yards on 13 pass catches. This is Cameron Artist Payne, now playing for the Panthers, behind Stewart. Uh, Stewart, the early reports from Coach Rivera stated that he's going to be aiming for 15 carries per game, another 7 or 8 to the backup, to cap. But I think if they want to keep Stewart healthy, I think that's going to probably come down a little bit, and I just don't see Stewart finishing the season. That's why I want Cameron Artis Payne. Fantasy Football Calculator has the ADP of 12.1, so basically... Uh, RB53. He's risen about a round and a half in the last last three weeks. I believe Fantasy Pros has his ADP of uh, RB63. So he's easily attainable. That's Cameron Artis Payne. He's probably not going to go in most drafts. And if you've got Jonathan Stewart, I don't know why you're not throwing out round 15-16 on Cameron Artis Payne. Moving on to 20,000 leagues under the sea. Uh, Some cool things I've been hearing about uh, you know, gosh, my high school league, which I love, but they just do something simple. I wish it was cooler. We're all uh, scattered across the country. They just, you know, randomly pick ping pong balls. But, Stags, you've got some cool stuff for a competition for the draft order. Yeah, I mean, everybody's just doing names out of hats. Like, I think I had mine drawn the other day, and it was just uh, my buddy and his wife pulling hats, uh, pulling names out of the hats for draft order, 12 down to 1, and... You know, it, it, it's not as fun as it could be, and it, we don't do a keeper league or anything, so there's really no off-season action. So the first real off-season action is just uh, the pulling of the names and finding out the draft order, and we do that about a month in advance or so. So, but there's some cool, cool things you can do if you're thinking about it. Uh, you can pick a bunch of random teams in March Madness, and then whoever makes it the fur- furthest, then. Uh, you know, then you're likely to, uh, you can pick your spot or your first or however you decide to do it. But I think picking the spot in the draft order once you win a competition is the best way to go. Uh, I mean, why pick something just to end up one when you don't want one? Um, then, you know, after March Madness, there's stuff like the Kentucky Derby, uh, a random NASCAR race. In any time you can go to the horse track uh, and stuff like that. And then there's these real cool ones with old video games, like Super Smash Brothers or Pac-Man, stuff like that. Just doing tournaments, you know, Madden, of course. Uh, I heard a real cool one with an old uh, WWE Royal Rumble game. Uh, 12, 12 people, like, sim, and then they each have a player or a wrestler in the match. And then whoever comes out on top has the, uh, you know, the pick, first pick of picks. And then, you know, you can also do that for the live Royal Rumble. Uh, I like that. 
I like that. The the Royal Rumble, the old days. JYD, some you know, old school Hulk Hogan when they were the, the cartoon. I like that. And, and rest in peace to uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper, uh, who passed away today. So uh, sorry to hear that. You know, enjoyed watching you and. Uh, hopefully somebody will get you in a video game to where you can win somebody the first overall pick or whatever pick they want. I'm pouring out a little IPA for them, and somewhere on a distant shore, the bagpipes are playing softly. And there, there's a couple more examples. We'll just get to, like, backyard sprints with your buddies. <laughs> uh, some, oh, God. Some people like that a little bit more than others. You know, beer pong tournaments. Uh, flip cup tournaments, whatever you guys might call it up there, uh, betting on the PGA Championship or the Masters, uh, pick, picking a golfer. That's a good one. And then I like, uh, there's an online source called footballiqscore.com, which allows you to take a Wonderlick test. So, you know, the, everybody in the league takes the Wonderlick test. Whoever gets the highest score then gets the first, you know, selection of pick, uh, and then so on and so forth. Uh, and then I heard a pretty funny one about uh, doing a ticket contest at, like, the arcade or at Chuck E. Cheese. or oh, that'd be cool, too. Uh, you know, you get 100 tokens, and then whoever collects the most tickets, you're the guys. And then there's, of course, the strip club drawings where you have strip clubs. Uh, strippers pull, you know, the dollar bills out of their chest. Whichever one's got your name on it, that's your, uh, that's your draft order. Anything that can utilize those gals' talent, I am all for. Don't want to let talent go to waste. Absolutely not. I'm looking for that diamond in the rough, ladies. Moving on to 20,000 leagues under, uh, so we did that one, the Strategos, uh, which is basically draft strategy, or draft strat chat, to put it. Uh, basically, lately, I've been doing a lot of quarter uh, late-round quarterback sags, I think, is a proponent of that as well. We've talked about that a bit on Pyro. One strategy is called do the opposite. Now, this is by no means mine. This is Paul Chargian. He is out of Minnesota. You can see him all over. Um, He does a fantastic job. He's got one of the longest-running radio podcasts for radio uh, fantasy shows in the nation. And he called it do the opposite. Uh, Other people have said upside-down drafting, but basically – it comes in perfect if you are drafting towards the back end. And I've even heard Paul say that there are running backs he is not going to pass down. There's one or two he's going to take. But if you're drafting towards the back end, this is perfect, in my opinion. Essentially, you're trying to minimize risk. Running backs. Adrian Peterson, we all know what happened. But there's such collision and such wear and tear on the body that they can get injured at the drop of a hat. So while running backs have a very volatile position, wide receivers and quarterbacks, they're far more secure, more stable. So while other guys are drafting running backs, and do the opposite, you're looking to take wide receivers or maybe a tight end with Gronk. I know that's Paul Chargian's uh, number one guy right now. Maybe other guys are taking wide receivers, you're taking quarterback. Maybe other guys are taking quarterbacks, you're taking tight ends. You're sort of staying ahead of the run. So while everyone, especially first round, first couple rounds, while everyone's gobbling up running backs because you believe that it is a volatile position, you're grabbing those really secure 
top-tier wide receivers. I heard Chargian say if he can lock up Gronk in one of his top wide receivers, he is a happy man. Now, with this strategy, you're not, probably not going to draft a running back till at least round three, maybe four or five. Uh, that means you could lock up your favorite wide receiver, maybe Gronk as well, lock up your quarterback, and then you could be looking at a Frank Gore, maybe Lamar Miller, Murray, Gurley, Stewart, Ellington, Joseph Randall, Yeldon. If those are guys that you are happy with because you understand that the running back position, that there's no guarantee, and you like those guys, or you're going to nail your later rounds. The deal is with uh, Chargian's strategy here, do the opposite is you're going to take the safe picks. You're going to take wide receiver quarterback early and then get a whole bunch of lottery tickets on running back later. Personally, I really like this. If I'm drafting 10th, 11th, 12th, I I could very well uh, go for something like this. And then you've always got to think, too, uh, many times running back number two, they don't make themselves known until the end of the season or until the season gets going. Nobody drafted Latavius Murray last year. C.J. Anderson, was he on anyone's draft board? Justin Forsett? Heck no. These running backs will appear, and you're going to take advantage of it on the waiver wire, and that's just an example of how volatile the running back position is. Take advantage of it. Heck, even Chris Ivory, who's not going into the end of the eighth round, side note, Chris Ivory had three top positional performances last week. I think he had eight uh, eight times he was in the top 24 last week. Last season. Uh, so, last season, sorry, last season, yeah. That was a pretty so, impressive week, if so. <laughs> right, right. Chris Ivory. The thing is, without Ivory scoring, he was pretty much awful. So, you're betting on a touchdown. And I don't think he had a 100-yard game without a touchdown. So, uh, you know. If, unless he's going to score touchdowns, he's not going to be a good weekly start. Well, I was just using him as an example. He could easily – he's one of the running backs if you're using this strategy. And I, people, I don't think, realize that he was a at least a top two running back. He was rated 1 through 24, 11 different weeks last season. He was only a top one three times. But – you can get this guy in the eighth round. So with this strategy, why not lock up top-tier running backs, top-tier one or two quarterbacks, maybe your, your top one or two tight ends, and then grab guys like that, or a Murray, or a Frank Gore, or a Joseph Randall or Yeldon, if you like them, a bit later. Those are the running backs you're looking at with a do-the-opposite strategy. Once again, I really like it if I'm drafting toward the back third of my uh, pick. It's viable. Take a look at it. Um, Again, depends on where you're drafted. I'm not not too much of a fan, but, you know, I always feel like I have to have a top running back or else I hate my team. But it's just personal opinion. If you like your team more with a Gronk rather than a C.J. Anderson, more power to you. But I, I don't have the stones for it. So I'm kind of looking at my tiers, but basically, let's see, there's about eight, nine, maybe nine. I guess I could be comfortable with nine running backs. So if you're drafting, you know, 12, are you going to be happy taking uh, Alfred Morris first? I mean, uh, no, I have 11, Mark Ingram, I have, Forte? I have 11 running backs that I have as 
uh, first round worthy. Okay. The, well, the, you got more. You got more than I. The end of the line is Forte. Oh wow! Okay, I've got one, two, or probably eight, eight that I'd be happy with before I am uh, looking for another position. And if I'm looking, if those eight are gone, that's when I might be thinking more about a do the opposite strategy. Turning over to some Q and A, we've got. Uh, a couple of people have been reaching out here. We've got one from Twitter, Keith Schultz. Uh, I believe we've mentioned him a bit already. He also uh, asked about 10-team PPR Lamar Miller. He's got him as a keeper. I guess it's, it's, it's running back two. Now he says he's not that excited. You see Staggs has him ranked at number 12. Can you convince me why I should be excited or not? He brought you up, Staggs. Where do you have him ranked, and would you be excited keeping Lamar Miller? As a running back, too, he's a solid running back, too. I think, he, I think he's one of the upper echelons guy where you know what you're going to get from him in the 12 to 15 range. Right now, Jay Ajayi is not a threat. Uh, Damian Williams is running ahead of Jay Ajayi in camp. Uh, and looks like the better player as of right now, according to all their beat writers. So that makes you think Miller's going to be the man. They are campaigning, saying they're going to give him the ball as much as possible, that they're going to let him be a 20-plus touch guy. In games in which he averaged over you know, 15 carries, uh, he averaged like 14 fantasy points. So if they're going to give him more than 16 carries, he's going to be there. Uh in games, I think he averaged 5.4 yards in games that he got 16 carries, uh, or 14 carries or more. He averaged 5.4 yards, which was more uh, than games in which he did not receive that many carries. So he got a little bit better as it went on with a little bit more workload. He catches it. He's the red zone guy. Um, he, he's three down back on a high-powered offense. Uh, they're going to give it to him in the end zone, uh, in the red zone. They're going to hopefully get him into the end zone. They're going to give him pass ch- chances. He, he's a good pass blocker. He's bulked up. He's got he's about 220 pounds. Still with that speed that he has, that 4-4 range speed that allows him to just beat defenders. Uh, he absolutely decimated the Jets in Week 17 to the tune of 179 yards. Uh, and you know, dogs like it was week seventeen. They weren't playing. It's like I don't care. <laughs> it's like I played Lamar Miller in week seventeen. I think there might have been without Richardson or uh, one of the guys or without Wilkerson. I don't remember who it was exactly, but I definitely played him and he paid off big. Uh, I just think he's a safe running back two for you with a lot of upside. He finished in the top ten last season in standard scoring leagues, so. He's got some upside, especially as you're keeping him for pretty much nothing as a running back two. Uh, you should be pretty happy about it. Yeah, he's absolutely running back two. Uh, the reports have been they're going to lean on him more this year. I'm a little concerned if his body can keep up with it, but running back two for sure. I've got him in my top 20 right there with guys, Melvin Gordon, Murray, uh, Stewart. They're right around there. I think he's absolutely running back number two with potential to be high-end running back two. I mean, we've got he finished ahead of all those guys last year. Yeah, he was he running back 10 nine, last year, 9. He, he destroyed them in terms of pure numbers. Uh, you know, the offensive line will be better this season. Once Brandon Albert went out last season, it was an awful, 
awful, terrible, anemic, puke-worthy offensive line. Um, with Brandon Albert back in the fold, allowing guys to move back to their natural positions where they're better blockers, and you know having Pouncey back at center, it's really going to help them in the run game. And they were already one of the most efficient run games in football last season. Now, one in the plus, I, I really like the Blazer Bill Lazor offense. Um, I, I certainly don't think he's going to finish running back number one. Last year, he only had four top twelve finishes, so he sort of had those games that really weighted him heavy, heavy, and then the rest of the time he had some lower games, so if you average that out, I, I think he, he's a solid running back. How many times did he finish top 24? Because he was more of a consistent, a consistency guy than a blow-up type guy. Uh, I don't have his top 24. Every week he was sort of getting you, you know, 10 points, 8, eight to 10 points, and it was consistent and just it was nice. It's a solid running back, too, depending on what you want to have. What's the rest of your roster makeup? Yeah, let's see. He finished with at least double-digit fantasy points. Nine times, if you count uh, that week number 17, which personally, I, a lot of times I don't. Uh, but even if you're counting week 17, he finished double-digit nine times. Uh, that's decent, but to me, that's still about running back two. And uh, that's what the kid's asking, and I think he's he's a solid running back two. For sure. Can't go wrong with him. Moving on with the, some Q&A. Kyle Lusk. This was an email. I recently found your podcast in iTunes and really enjoy it. I appreciate the time and effort you guys put into it. My question is, I'm in a 12-team PPR, but there are the first three weeks are double headers, no team buys. I have the seventh pick, and I'm thinking about taking Le'Veon Bell, but don't know if I can pull the trigger. Now, he goes on to talk about the games that he's missing. Uh, certainly, if people don't know, that has been reduced now. His suspension has been reduced, and I think pretty much everybody has reflected that in their tiers. He's only down to, I believe it's two games now. And I think pretty much everyone's tiers already reflects that. For me, now that he's down to two, I'm going to have him as my number two. I still like Adrian Peterson ahead of Bell. Yeah, uh, we just had a little bit of a quick talk about Le'Veon Bell. Uh, We're all pretty much going to move him up to, you know, the two or three range. And depending on if you like the safety of knowing you're going to get games, Early from a guy, hey, go Jamal Charles, go Eddie Lacy. You know, that's fine. Uh, that's personal preference. I'd rather just have somebody who I know is going to dominate when he's on the field. And But with a doubleheader early, I don't know exactly how that works. I've never really heard of that format. So, But if you have, you could potentially get two losses because you're missing out on Le'Veon Bell, uh, I'd be a little more worried. But you're picking seventh anyways. So I don't know if he'll get to you. Yeah, uh, probably not. But again, I, seventh pick, I've got no problem taking him there. Absolutely none whatsoever. I, I would love it if he fell to me there. We're going to about wrap this sucker up. But folks, we, we want to appreciate the love we've been getting. If you could find your way onto iTunes and leave us a review, we would be happy to read those. Uh, we love the feedback. We love the interaction. And that's one way we're going to get noticed a bit easier. We've got Abdullah El Latif says, I've been listening to the light. 
It's more like a light Valverde, full of flavor, yet minus the calories. It's great because I get to hear Mo's thoughts as well, especially when he talked about the rookies, wide receivers. I'm going to check out the draft kit video y'all uploaded. Keep it up. Keep it up, folks. Uh, just like Abdullah Al-Latif. Go ahead and send us some reviews. We'd, be lo- we'd love to read them from you. And reach out to us. You can find the, the Pyromaniac Boys on Twitter, at Pyromaniac, that is P-Y-R-O-M-A-N, the number one A-C. You can find us on Facebook, Facebook slash Pyromaniac, that's just P-Y-R-O-M-A-N-I-A-C. And then you can also follow me, Pyromaniac Mo, on Twitter, that's at Pyromaniac Mo, P-Y-R-O-M-A-N-I-A-C-M. Oh, it looks like it sounds like Stags is ready to hit the town over there. Dropping sir. the ball. I'm dropping the ball. Now you were fantastic tonight, man. And uh, are you heading out to the bars? Or are you going to celebrate uh, episode five in the books? Uh, I'm going to celebrate in some ways. We'll see what we'll see what the night has in store. I'm not much of a planning type of guy. I like it. Living off the seat of his pants, going where the night will take him. Oh, latest. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been episode five of the Pyro Light. We will look for you next week. We're going to be coming at you Fridays, certainly preseason and in season as well. So look for us probably posting on Saturday. Stags, it's been a pleasure as always. And you as well, sir. Folks, take care. We will see you on the flip side. <laughs>